Whether your beer is in a bottle, can, or glass, kick back and relax. It's Better on Draft. Welcome, everybody, to episode 332 of the Better on Draft podcast. My name is Ken. Thank you so much for joining us. I truly appreciate it. I do apologize for the late start, but we are here. We are drinking beer, starting with Dan. Dan, what do you got? Hey, yeah, we're almost halfway to the best number out there. Um, I've got two beers here with me tonight. I've got a candy bar milk stout from, oh, God, I lost my train of thought here now from Fate Brewing. I've got a cookie exchange milk stout from Great Lakes. Wendy, what about you? Uh, I am drinking this crayon orange wheat. I don't even know where my camera is today. Um, From Great Lakes, which I tell you, I wait all year for the cranberry ginger ale to come out. So this is fantastic, in my opinion. I guess I will round out the circle. I've got a Great Lakes Brewing Christmas Ale, ale with spices and honey. Uh, If you can't tell, based on the fact that all three of us are drinking Great Lakes Brewing, (laughs) as well as the name of the show, we have Michael back on from Great Lakes Brewing. Why don't you uh, reintroduce yourself to uh, everyone? Tell us uh, what you do with the organization. Sure thing. So I work, I report through marketing. My job is kind of half traditional marketing stuff. So if you subscribe to our newsletter, Much A Brew, that's me. Um, But I am also our beer educator at the brewery. Always wanted to be a teacher and kind of had some stints in the brew pub and as a tour guide and was kind of able to create my own role as the beer teacher. So I do all of our staff training, anyone from dishwasher all the way up to the CEO. I had our current CEO on his first day for a little training sesh. I work with um, business partners like our wholesalers and key retailers, do some fun stuff for the public, uh, a lot of classes out of the brewery. And then I'm just a beer nerd. So I hop on podcasts with you guys and nerd out about beer. And I do all our Cicerone stuff too. Um, The program is nice enough to tell me that I passed advanced Cicerone back over the summer. I don't know if I believe that still, but um, got that in the bag and I do all of our training for our like certified candidates and things like that. And I had to tease you guys. I'm drinking a little guy from the brewery. Um, it's a juicy double IPA. So that's what I've got in my glass. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming back. I do appreciate you taking sure. the time to chat. Uh, the first question I kind of want to ask you regarding your theory when it comes to teaching beer. What are some, I, I guess, maybe give us a little class. What are some general misconceptions, you know, the fun ones you like to throw into your training that people have about beer or even Great Lakes Brewing? Oh, sure. Well, there there are plenty of them. <laughs> so when it comes to general beer, one of the biggest things is the myths. So it, especially like well-crafted beer is something that so many people are passionate about and, and have stories about, I guess this applies for Great Lakes too. Um, but I'm like a philosophy guy and a history guy too. So I'm very much a stickler for making sure we have our facts straight and everything. So the story of IPA would be a classic one. And this is not my work. You know, Martin Cornell and great writers like that have written extensively about this. But everyone says that IPA was kind of invented out of the blue as this solution for shipping beer to India from England um, because the beer was spoiling on the way. There are, of course, some truths to that. But 
every other beer leaving England to go to any colony throughout the British Empire was also being highly hopped. And um, as much as I'm sure the one guy, uh, Hodgson, would love to have credit for that, um, everybody was doing that. So we love busting the little myths. I asked the question, who knows how IPA was created? And then they tell the story and then I say, fun fact, not true. Um, when it comes to Great Lakes, we have, Ken, for the the beer that you're drinking right now, Christmas Ale. It's our most beloved beer. Um, it is, amazingly enough, our top-selling beer. And because of its prevalence for us and because it's around the holidays and it's 7.5 ABV and sometimes people drink it and they're not used to that, <laughs> there are all sorts of legends around this beer that are just also totally not true. Like, the ABV used to be higher. It used to be 12%. Mm, your tolerance probably wasn't quite as high uh, 10 years ago as it is now. You know, uh, the recipe changes every year. Mm, not quite. Um, we use, you know, 20 pounds of cinnamon and ginger per batch, and it's all real stuff. So there's flavor drift year by year. So, um, and I do it in, a, in a, a nice way. You know what I mean? But it's fun to bring up the stories that people are so attached to and be like, actually, there's... This is the reality of what's going on. So it's a lot of fun, let alone all the actual nitty gritty of the brewing process and things like that. Well, you you brought up an interesting point regarding Christmas ale. We have the exact same phenomena when it comes to Bell's beer. Everyone sure. talks about how Bell's Oberon changes every year. And right. uh, when we had John Mallett on the show a few years ago, he told us they do it just to fuck with everybody. <laughs> um, totally what we do, too. Right. Obviously, that's that's not the, the true. <laughs> if Mallett honest, said it, then it's cool. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's that's not the true honest reason. But how do you come across when, when you get those people who are adamant? Because you're on social media, you're on marketing, you're talking to these folks. They're oh, yeah. adamant. Christmas ale tasted different Christmas ale. Like how do you address those types of people um, when they're so easily disproven factually, but no matter what you can't get through to them. Yeah. Humor is the key. I think, especially when you're in person, it's, it's tough to convey humor via, you know, your, your Facebook feed and stuff like that. So there's only so much we can do in situations like that. But when people are coming down to the brewery and I just did a couple of classes um, the, the past two Wednesdays centered around Christmas sale and then our other holiday beers that we've got going on. Cookie would be one of them. And, you know, I bring it up like people would ask the question, but I just kind of anticipate it. And I always talk about those topics in a, in a humorful way because one, it's just beer, you know, so it's, it's nothing to get overly worked up about and, the worst thing you can do, especially someone working like on the supplier side, someone with the actual brewery is like to come off as snobby um, and things like that. So, and they're honestly, I truly, I've been at Great Lakes for 11 years now and I worked on the service side. So I heard this stuff literally all day, every day <laughs> for a good five, six years of my career. Um, and I could be jaded about it and stuff, but the fact that people care enough about the beer that they have these strongly formed incorrect opinions, but still strongly formed opinions, I think is amazing. And so I always just approach it with some humor and, and having fun about it. Um, I think that's just generally a good way of going about education. Um, all my best teachers when I was growing up cracked, you know, ridiculous jokes and, and, and made the experience something that was very lively. And that that's why 
I wanted to go out and be a teacher. I didn't think it would be fear, but um, I think that's really important no matter what the topic is. Well, before I pass it off to Wendy, why don't you give us a, a little rundown uh, on the Christmas ale, the ale that I'm drinking, 7.5%, a um, lot of spice, a lot of honey, as it says on there, so you're getting sweet along with the spice. Um, what are the tasting notes that I'm looking for when I'm drinking this beer? Yep. Christmas ale is, it's, um, it really is. Anchor was the first. Anchor, had, as with many other styles out there, and rest in peace, Anchor and all that bummer that they closed earlier in the year. But they, they were the trailblazers for so many of us. But for us, it a lot of people kind of look to our version of a Christmas ale, kind of like as the benchmark. And we just say that because we see a billion other op- different options out there that have some sort of similar spice profile of anything that evokes the holidays. So for us, it's cinnamon, ginger, and honey. Some people use some nutmeg. Some people throw like fruit peel in there. You can use adjuncts like molasses and all that. But for us in particular, what's key is it's got the ABV. So it's seven, five. Um, and just kind of like an Oktoberfest, like an Oktoberfest beer is brewed for parties and festivity. So it is by nature, slightly higher in ABV. It's the same thing with holiday beers because it's it's even more of a festive time. So the 7.5 ABV is key, but it's not too full. Um, it's a drinkable beer. So that's something that's very, very key. Not a sipper. Um, and that honey really helps dry the beer out. It drives the ABV up without adding too much body, right? Because we're not, we're not pulling a lot of proteins and stuff from grain. And then cinnamon and ginger. The key there is that both those spices are present, but they're not going to be overbearing. So we don't want to have like, when I have a, a version that's a little too heavy handed on the spices, I think like big red gum or something. It's just like, Oh, it's like cinnamon all over my, my palate. And I'm like, you know, super drying. That's way too much. Um, but it obviously has to be there. So the key is for those three elements, the honey the cinnamon and the ginger to kind of work in this really, balanced i hate using the word balanced because it's easy to abuse it but it's true they need to be um judiciously used so that there's a good balance there to keep that beer drinkable while still evoking the memories of the holidays so that's pretty much what you get it's it's gingerbread cookies grandma's house all that stuff in liquid form to keep it simple I don't know about your your grandparents. My grandparents were always Krishtikis. That was the the cookie sweet of choice. So we got a lot more powdered sugar than there uh, spice. <laughs> but Wendy. So I want to go back to a little bit of the educational app because I um, sure. really had a lot of fun. I, I love learning and I love history. So um, I had a lot of fun on your website, like trying to figure out what's going on there and um, I saw that back in June, you guys did a hop college that paired beers that reflected the spirit of the city's baseball eras. Yeah. That was such an original idea. How did you come up with something like that? So, and the hop college is my little baby there. So I'm glad you guys saw that. Um, hop, that particular class is a ton of fun. Um, we partnered officially with the guardians for a couple of years as official craft beer, but we're st- we still have a partnership, not in, in that larger form. Um, so we could continue doing events with them. And they have 
uh, an archivist and historian who works for the organization, uh, Jeremy Feeder, who's a great dude and um, he loves beer, which is great. And it was, I love baseball. <laughs> I go to like 30 Guardians games a year. So it was a natural fit for us to kind of concoct some sort of event together. And um, we are such a historically focused brewery, partially because we've been around for 35 years. That's why I got the little 35 class going on right there. Um, but also the, the Conway brothers who own the company are, are huge history fans. So there's a lot going on there to, for, for this to make sense. Um, and we basically sometimes use a little artistic license with stuff, you know. So he's bringing in all the cool stuff from the Guardians, like um, helmets and jerseys and things like that. And I'm like, how can I fit this beer into the theme, <laughs> basically? So, uh, but it worked out really well. Um, you know, we won a couple World Series far too long ago, the longest uh, drought in professionals in professional baseball right now. By the way, everyone out there. So. Um, but in the early years, we won a couple of World Series, so Dortmund or Gold. And we kind of went from there. Um, but it was a great time. We had 80, 85 people packing the tasting room for that event right there. It was a fun one. Uh, so, so what we, other types of classes are you going to do? Are you going to do other things similar to that? Yeah, hopefully. So right now, um, the Guardians partnership is great, and we just moved on. Um, this past year to partner with the Cavs, with the basketball team. So we'll see if we can kind of cook something up with them. We do a lot of more traditional like beer education classes. So um, I mentioned I was just doing some style history classes. So looking at what is a winter warmer? Like how did this style come to be? Like why are there so many beers out there that have spices and so on? Um, one of my teammates at the brewery who helps, he's kind of key with our sensory program. He does a class where we taste some off flavors. People love it. I don't get it, but people co <laughs> love coming in and tasting the bad flavors and stuff. So do our staff. Um, but the, the most fun thing that we've been doing lately is partnering with local businesses and doing pairings. So um we had a local sausage, you know, a local butcher come in and she brought in four different sausages and we, I paired up four different beers with those. We did a beer cocktail making class with the local distiller, um, beer and cheese. And then the one that I was most proud of is we did a beer and ice cream pairing class and it totally worked. Um, I actually, what I loved about those classes is that I learned so much from the butcher and from the ice cream maker about what they do with their process. Um, and the pairings really like just pop for all those classes. So those are a really good time. And, and partnering with local businesses just makes it that much better since we're still a kind of a family and family run family owned and independent business ourselves. That's uh, actually a good segue into, I see that you guys are also employee owned. Mm-hmm. Can you talk we about are. that a little bit? Sure. That started five years ago in 2018. We do this annual uh, kind of company retreat day type thing. So we showed up that day more or less as, as normal. Yeah, I mean, like as normal as it can be for a company-wide retreat type thing, right? But showed up and did our usual things looking back at the past year plans for the future year and what's going on, you know, give out some awards to staff and things like that. 
And then something like the owners at the end of the day kind of got up on the stage and there was a certain air going on and they, they made the announcement that they were forming an ESOP. So um, certainly a pivotal moment for us. That was actually our 30th anniversary um, five years ago, five years ago. So what it is right now is it's, it's not a governance thing. So we're not up there literally running the show day by day. Um, Pat and Dan still have primary ownership of the company. They employ a leadership team, a CEO, Mark King, and you know, CEO, COO, Stephen Powell's and, and other people on the C-suite and stuff like that. So it's a huge benefit to, to us as employees, just like extra money in the bank for retirement and things like that. But the Conways also founded Great Lakes in 1988. And if you founded a brewery in the 80s, that means you're not that young anymore. Uh, I won't say that they're <laughs> old, just in case they watch this, right? Um, so there is a little bit of a succession plan built in there too, um, because they won't be around forever. And as we know from Lariat Bells and many other breweries, right? Yeah, the brewery has to go somewhere when those guys aren't there anymore. So right, right now we have that option of, of being an ESOP. Should that make the most sense for the company when Pat and Dan end up stepping away? They've got some time, though. They're still there. <laughs> Very there. So 35 years, huh? Um, what did you guys do to celebrate this year? We did a bunch. We did a couple fun beer releases. Uh, we had, so the anniversary is in September and we decided this year to lean into our first two beers. So Dortmunder Gold Lager and Elliot Ness Amber Lager were the first two. We were in the, the pub system here in Cleveland for, you know, forever, literally since the beginning. For Dortmunder, all we did was same beer but we put it in the retro packaging kind of like, so I'm wearing right now, this is merch that's themed based on our older logo. So we put it in the classic like blue Dortmunder, very minimalist bottle with gold foil. Well, the old one had gold foil. We didn't, we didn't ask the bottling line guys to put gold foil on top of the bottles here in 2023, which they were very appreciative of. Um, but the really fun one is we did a barrel aged version, basically an imperial version of Elliot Ness. So the amber lager, you know, all those wonderful toasty bread crust notes, but jack it up from 6% to 12% and then lay it down. in it was actually bullet bourbon barrels for, you know, I don't know, six to nine months or something like that. Maybe even a little bit longer. Um, and it's almost barley wine like, so that was a really, really tasty beer. I've got still got a couple of bottles of that down in the cellar right now. We had a party, you know, around the actual anniversary uh, a couple months before, and we did a bunch of fun merch. Um, this unfortunately is not from like 15 years ago. This, this is totally from this past year. So I wish I could claim this, this being like a 2008 hoodie here, but it's, it's from this year. So. So it was great. Uh, we love our milestones. And I mean, we're just, we're grateful we've been around for as long as we have. So we thank our fans a lot for that. Lucky us. So uh, before I pass it over to Dan, uh, my last question is um, about the sustainability of the brewery. Um, I'm taking an environmental science class right now and it's completely changed 
the way I kind of look at things that are going on in our world. So I have kind of made it my mission to ask everybody that we talk to um, how sustainability falls into the business plan. Yeah. That's something that's always been really important for the Conway brothers um, from very, very early on. It was kind of like something. So certain elements of sustainability, when you think of reducing waste, um, that's something that honestly was kind of instilled in them from childhood being a very like large Irish family. I think they're, they're two of nine. So sharing resources, making sure nothing's wasted from the table and things like that. So um, the big stuff we're doing right now for sustainability, the biggest thing is local farming. So trying to keep the cycle of what we're consuming um, as close to home as possible. We have some farmland right around the corner from the brewery in the Ohio city neighborhood. We've had that for, for quite a while since 2010. Um, but we've also been partnering with a number of other local farms throughout the greater Cleveland area. We recently hired a local food coordinator, Lexi St. Dennis, who's been amazing for finding the people who are really doing it right when it comes to local food production and then kind of bringing that stuff in and featuring it on the brew pub menu, uh, which is of course a huge attraction for general, you know, adrenal craft consumer. If you want to consume better beer, often enough, people want to consume kind of more thoughtfully produced food items as well. So that's the big one right now. Um, we still do a lot of like volunteer efforts, um, cleanups and things like that. COVID, certainly it's been a couple of years since the big shakeup and everything. Um, but we had to pull back on some things like some of the local support that we've done, but we've still been doing a good amount of that as much as we can considering that whole situation. And then, you know, the craft, I'm sure you guys have talked with others in the, in the industry where it's not easy right now, but um, we're still doing as much as we can to give back. Um, and then water conservation, of course, across the board is, is a huge thing for us at Great Lakes. That's awesome. Dan? All right. So I got to ask this question first to get it out of the way, because I know Ken's wondering. Uh, we asked you about it two years ago. When the heck are you going to bottle Holy Moses? Oh, Holy Moses. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, I should. I, sh <laughs> I don't know how I forgot, because I noticed the, the drops of Holy Moses when we were planning this, too. So... <laughs> I think every well, single email I like tried to <laughs> first know. it was like subtle and then it was like very, very like, Hey, if you got any, <laughs> I know. Um, well, first of all, what I'll say is we're not going to bottle Holy Moses ever probably since we've shifted so heavily to cans. Um, and then when it comes to Holy Moses being put in the package, you know what? With the whole swing back towards traditional styles that we're kind of seeing. I don't know if you guys have talked about that with others, but lager making a comeback, right? Uh, maybe wit beer is going to make a comeback. We'll see. We'll see. I, I, <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I, I want to make sure I get this question and then I'm going to pass it back to Dan because I think you'll have a good answer for it. But I feel Holy Moses is a beer loved by many drank by few. And what I mean by that is, is that when, when people loved the beer, but when you reproduced it, you put it back into market in 2018 as like a beer, it, it, it didn't really take as much as the, the crowd wanting it. 
Um, this is what I believe. I could be completely wrong. I feel like it's the exact same when we had Fat Tire coming to Michigan. Um, like everyone loved it, and then it's like, oh well, we can get it anytime we want, so we take it for granted and we don't buy it. Yeah. Is that something you saw with Holy Moses as to why you took it out of packaging again, or is there something different? No, it's pretty much that. So, and you know, I'm I'm as guilty of this as anyone else too. Where like, so for us, this is a little different, probably. But you know, um, for us in Ohio, I mean, this is forever ago now, ten years ago. Like when Yingling came in, like people would drive to Pennsylvania and buy cases upon cases of it. And then once they entered Ohio, they're like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. And then just didn't buy it that much. I mean, they bought it at first, but they didn't buy it that much after. But for Holy Moses, like, and it's like, Holy Moses might be one of the biggest examples for us where like the people who love it really, really love it. And that's amazing. Um, and generally, I think a lot of people would say that's a great whip beer, but they don't actually drink that much whip beer or buy that much whip beer. You know what I mean? And as, as a Cicerone type person, like where I totally appreciate all the classic styles, what did I choose to drink for this today? Of course, a double IPA. Like I'm as guilty as anybody else. You know what I mean? Like, Hmm. Can I go for the Saison? No, I think I'll have yet another IPA, you know? So that's, it's unfortunately <laughs> how so many of, not unfortunately, it just is what it is. Like we drink what we like and stuff. And I, I like those beers, just not as much as many of the other beers that are out there. So yeah, we, people really wanted it to come back and we brought it back and then, you know, it was okay, but it's like, we, we can also only make so many beers and, you know, we want to have something that's more than just okay. The beer itself, amazing, but sales, just not what they need to be. So, and that's how it is for Raya the Tiger and Alberta Clipper and, you know, the, the long list of other classic Great Lakes beers that we love too, but ultimately just aren't going to move the needle, especially again, um, when shelf space is at a premium, you know, when, with the competitiveness of what's going on right now out there. So now that being said, he has not brewed Holy Moses on the pub system for a little bit. So I might need to bug the pub brewer to get that back on the, on the pub system. Cause it's a tasty beer. And then I'll let you know, and then I'll send you some crawlers or something. Now it's funny. You actually mentioned that I had actually talked to Sam from dogfish head um, back at GABF. And I had actually brought up another beer that I thought was popular. A lot of people like uh, Palo Santo Marone. He's like, man, you know, I'd love to make it, but it just sits yeah. on the shelf. It's such yep. a good beer, but it just doesn't move. Uh, similar situation, I think. The bummer about being at commercial breweries that we have to we have to do stuff that, not just stuff that sells, but stuff that sells at a certain rate. You know what I mean? Yep. So it just, it just is what it is. Yeah, um, absolutely. Were you at GABF this past year? Yeah. Yeah. I, I really wanted to go this past. I haven't gone since 2016. And I thought for like celebrating the advanced Cicerone thing, I was like, maybe I'll go to Denver. It just didn't make sense, unfortunately. <laughs> but one of these years, I'm going to make it back. Yeah, it's a great time. I encourage anyone who hasn't been there to go yeah. out to it because it's, it's just a lot of fun. Better on draft is made possible thanks to our sponsor, North Center Brewing in Northville, Michigan. Open Tuesday to Sunday, North Center provides a fun atmosphere with amazing beer. 
try their Bobby English while playing shuffleboard, or wash down their classic Reuben sandwich with a glass of painkiller. Find them online at northcenterbrewing.com. Better on Draft is sponsored by Zatuna Liquor. Located on Rochester Road in Rochester Hills, go visit Jack and see why he is known as one of the best beer and bourbon stores in the state. A large variety of singles, wine, booze, and snacks, Zatuna Liquor is your one-stop shop before a party. Better on Draft is sponsored by Craftapt. Currently located in 11 states including Michigan, Wisconsin, and Minnesota, Craftapt is a monthly subscription that pays for itself after just one visit to your local brewery. Use the code BOD at checkout and receive 15% to any membership, not just for Michigan fans. For Michigan fans, get 50% off your first two pints at each venue you go to, including Better On Draft-sponsored North Center Brewing and 2022 March Draftness winner Copper Hop in St. Clair Shores. Now, I want to pivot back. You have been at the Cleveland airport for a while. When we talked to you, um, you had told us about that. How is that doing? Is that seeing a lot of traffic there still? Is it growing? Tell us about how that's Man. working out. That's a good question. Um, I don't travel as much as I used to. So pre and it's not just necessarily a pre post COVID thing, but it's easier to connect with people <laughs> from outer markets and stuff post COVID granted, because uh, we all got used to zoom and all the other platforms and stuff, oh, yeah. but also our, our sales to, we have a different sales lead right now than we had pre COVID. And he really leans on, his reps in their own markets to do a little bit more like work, which is good. That being said, when I do go by the airport pub, it seems to be doing relatively well. I don't have the direct um, sales numbers either, but we, we still have a super tight, technically they're a, a franchisee or like they, we license our branding to them. Right. But, we're still very, very closely linked with them. I know we're doing a lot of improvements there. Um, some of the graphics and, and branding and stuff was kind of closer to the 2015 brand refresh. So um, obviously it's doing well enough that we're still investing a good amount of money to make sure that that space is looking the way it should. And then um I'm in touch with the GM there for making sure their staff kind of once a year comes down to the brewery and gets a, a primer on the core stuff, but then also, you know, an introduction to the the new stuff that we have rolling out throughout the year. Cause we do prioritize stuff like uh, vivacious, the double IPA, which was um, our big release for this year. You know, that went one of the first places that went was the airport pub. Um. Stuff like that. So I don't have the the raw data, you know what I mean? Um, and I'm sure even though stuff is picked back up, I'm sure that it's not quite the same as it was in 2019, but it seems to be still holding its own there for sure. And like, I know it's a place that people go to kill time when their flights are delayed for, <laughs> for four hours. I know our, our sales VP, he had a flight to... <laughs> Chicago that was delayed for four hours. It's like it's <laughs> Chicago. What, how like there's no, it's sixty degrees and sunny out. Like so, a bunch <laughs> of people were going over to the. At least he was over at the pub, and there were other other people there hanging out for sure. Yeah, I used to fly into Cleveland quite a bit. There's only one flight um, from where I'm at in Phoenix that goes there. So flying back, I'd always get there early on purpose. Uh, specifically because of that. Uh, That's why I was curious. Now, something I want to ask about, um, 
Now, I'm going to assume, correct me if I'm wrong, has Great Lakes always been located in the same neighborhood for all 35 years? Yeah. Yeah, we've been basically in three different buildings within two blocks for all 35 years. Other than, unless you don't count the canning line, the canning line is down in Strongsville. So we're located, Ohio City is a neighborhood within the city of Cleveland proper. Okay. And that's like a, a five minute drive from downtown itself. It's right across the Cuyahoga River. It's a very dense neighborhood. Um, and it would have been really hard to fit our canning line and warehousing space, more importantly, in that neighborhood. So the that's facility is down in Strongsville, Ohio, which is about a 30 minute drive, but for all intents and purposes, not too far. But yeah, we've been we've been in Ohio City, you know, for six years as a brew pub um, from 88 to 92. We had kind of an interim facility, but we've actually been in the same production brewery since 1998. So we've been in the same facility since for 25 years. And we would love a shiny new brewery. <laughs> Now, Maybe um, one day for Christmas, yeah. So, so <laughs> getting to the why I was asking about that, um, you're in a pretty dense brewery neighborhood, basically. It seems like you have a lot of breweries pretty close. I'm willing to bet 99 to 100% of those were not there when you originally opened. Um, and you said you've been there the last 11 years. Are these breweries giving you a lot of competition where you're seeing a decline in the brew pub? Or do you still see pretty consistent? No, uh, no, the, the brew pub, it's not just the other breweries, but it's also all the other restaurants and, and general nightlife that has grown up in Ohio City. So 100%, um, we do not see quite this. And again, I don't see the direct numbers, but I was a server in the pub <laughs> for five years. And like, I don't think things are quite the same. And, and I go down for shift beers many days a week. So I'm down in the area. It's not like I'm out of touch with what's going on in the pub things are not the same as they were from, you know, 2011 to let's say 2015, 2016 or so. It was just, you know, we had the guys at market garden across the street. I think they started in 2012 um, and they're great neighbors. Um, and they obviously some people go there instead of to, to us. Um a couple other bars up and down West 25th street. And then another brewery up the road, another one on Lorraine. Yeah. Ultimately there are only so many people coming down to Ohio city. Um, there are probably more than used to. And that's the beautiful thing about having market garden and Bookhouse and Hansa and our neighbors there is that there is an element where the rising tide lifts all ships. So there are more people coming down to Ohio city. There's no doubt about that. But at the same time, when we were the only game in town, <laughs> when the people <laughs> came down there, they came to us. So yeah, sales are probably down a little bit. Um, the brew pub team has also done a great job of, you know, many pricing and having attractive items to draw certain people in, you know, through the doors where I think they've kept margins pretty good and things like that. Um, and we, we still treat the brew pub crew very well. They get, you know, benefits if they're working a certain amount of time and things like that. So, but yeah, I mean, realistically speaking, um, it's not 2011 when we are literally one of the only places in Ohio city to go. So, <laughs> but ultimately um, I think for the Cleveland beer scene, you know, it's it's a it's a good thing that there are a number of brewers down in the area. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, one more question here. I'm going to pass it to Ken. I hope you can tell me a little bit about this. Um, you do you do distribute to a lot of states. Um, Arizona, again, where I'm at, it's not one of them. But we do get your beer here from time to time. Yeah. Uh, for example, Christmas ale is here right now. It's the only one we can Good. actually get. Um, how do you decide to do that, to send beers to random states you don't distribute to? And does that affect how you're looking to dis- expand your distribution in the future? Sure. So for that, those drops are pretty much limited to Arizona, and we've done Florida. Oh, which, wow. okay. You know, no, there's absolutely no connection between Florida and Arizona and then <laughs> cold weather states like Ohio, you know, right? No, there are another a, a number of Clevelanders who are down and, you know, Michiganders and stuff like that who are, that's probably a totally incorrect term, Michigander, right? I'm sorry <laughs> if I totally screwed that up, but um, people from Michigan and Ohio and any other cold weather state who go down to the warmer areas, right? So um, it would be tough for us to open up states like that for full-on distribution, but there's certainly where we get a ton of demand requests all the time. So if there's one time a year that we can kind of do a little drop where it makes the most sense, it would be, of course, around Christmas sales season where people are thinking about us so much. So that's why you're seeing Christmas sale down there in Arizona. I wasn't even sure that we still sent it down there this particular year. But um, when it comes to actual distribution expansion, that's been something that's been very, very sparing for us lately. Like we just opened NYC. Um, That's the first new market that we opened since 2019. And honestly, 2019 was Maryland before that. I can't even remember the last time we opened new territory because everybody wants local which is good. I mean, that's what we were for Cleveland when we started, you know, and then we're like, okay, we can expand throughout the Great Lakes, but like, it doesn't make sense for us to go to Kansas or something necessarily, because why, why do people there care about Great Lakes? We're lucky we have the name Great Lakes so that (laughs) someone in Wisconsin's like, oh yeah, with Great Lakes, you know? Um, I had friends that thought you guys were here. Totally. Like in Michigan. Yep. And and we're not gonna tell them that we're not necessarily, right? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Just nod, nod and smile. Yeah. Well, remember too, being a Guardians fan, your spring training is here. So you know yes, you can always yes, consider. Yes. Yep. That's always that's, consider that's, that. that's another element for it too, for sure. And our former yeah. CEO also is down there. Bill's down. Bill, if you're listening, hello. He's down there in Arizona <laughs> as well. So you gotta make sure we hook him up. Yeah. Well, I, I guess my question is, as we're talking about the newer breweries that enter the market, as a brewery that's been there for 35 years, you're in the realms of Sierra Nevada, of New Belgium, of um, Bells here in Michigan. Like, how do you, yeah. you know, get to that customer? Because, like, new craft beer fans, every beer is new. But older craft beer fans like ourselves, how do you reach out to us and say, you know, hey, I, I know it's been a few minutes. Why don't you come back and try this beer? Like, how do you get reach out to um, the older fans like us? Yeah, that is a great question right there. So, you know, for us, we're lucky that, and, and like all the other guys that you just mentioned, we've got the longtime loyal fans. Um, and we are obviously trying to go for newer demos, right? Just as 
those guys are as well, like the Juicy Double IPA and Craner and Tweed and things like that. Um, but for going back, man, that's a great question for getting people who maybe haven't had our beer for a little bit. We do. You know, Holy Moses, again, not going to not gonna be back as the year-round thing. But uh, we have stuff like we did Blackout Stout is one of the big things that people ask us for all the time. Um, and we did, we brought that one back. That was 21. Was that just last year? Within the past year or two, we did Blackout Stout again. Um, and that was a very intentional, it was like, we want to make, the longtime fans have that was not like in the annual business plan it's going to move the needle it was like we want to make our longtime fans who ask for this all the time happy and so we brewed that beer i mean that's ultimately what longtime fans want right is for some of those classics to come back so we did blackout um i could see us potentially down the line doing other beers like that too uh, we have been open to a little bit more flexibility, which I love. I'm very happy um, that we're open to this of doing like limited releases where it doesn't need to be in every total wine or Meyer or whatever. Right. Um, we can do a limited release that goes to the indie retailers and the gift shop and things here in Ohio city. And it appeals to people who aren't the new drinkers coming in. So I think Blackout Stout is hopefully a good precedent for us where, not promising anything, but hopefully where in the future we might dip back in and do a limited release of Raya the Tiger or other beers that people really loved from us in the past that we can't do all the time, but we can at least do a limited thing for. Um, and we're still well, doing I- Dortmund and we're still doing some of the classics too. I think that's key as well. It's like Elliot Ness has not been discontinued. Evan Fitzgerald is still around, things like that. I was actually looking at your website and one of the beers that I, I used to travel a lot for work and when I would get into Ohio, uh, I had a small group of friends who would always ask for the same thing and that's Nosferatu. Uh, yeah. That beer is coming back this year. Um, what was the, the, the theory behind bringing back that beer? You know, Nosferatu has never left. So that one, we have a couple of those ones that are enough of a cult classic that they haven't left. But honestly, uh, so Nosferatu is an interesting one because we haven't always called it an IPA. Um, We kind of shifted this Imperial Red IPA branding for it. Um, And it's a style without a home. You know, a a big multi-beer that's also hop forward but it's not a barley wine. It's like, what exactly is this? So we've called it a number of different things throughout the years. And I mean, people understand what the term IPA means. So it it made sense for us to call it a red IPA. But I think that's also telling the fact that that one, where it's a little niche, it, it is old school. It's a beer that goes back to the early 90s for us it's telling that that stuck around for as long as it did because it is a hop forward offering to a certain extent. It's got the Halloween thing too. So um, whereas some of the other beers that, that people love that we made consistently for a while have a certain brand image when something's so linked with a a holiday like Halloween. um, And then if you're a big black and white, you know, silent film buff too, that also works uh, for the actual movie that it's named for. But, 
Um, those are a couple of reasons I think that Nosferatu in particular stuck around, whereas maybe some of the other ones did not. So the biggest one, the beer, though, is the fact that it's a hop forward beer. I, I guess I want to touch on what you said. IPA, you know what that means. Yeah. What does that mean? Like a, as a consumer, as a marketer, like what does it's an IPA, you know what that means means. Yeah. Um, and when I say that, I think it's most craft consumers. Most people when they think of craft beer, not everybody, but I think when most people think of craft beer, they they think of IPA simply because it is ubiquitous, you know, roughly one and two beers sold are IPAs. Um, what it actually means, if you're thinking about it, is a little tricky because um, you have everything from hazy IPAs that have no bitterness to um, imperial IPAs that are totally insane in terms of um, IBU content and all that. But what I meant was, um, like those frats that we used to call it a stock ale, and then we called it an imperial red ale and things like that. And most people have no notion what a stock ale is, you know, um, a beer that was kept for blending into to other recipes in 19th or 18th century England. So calling it an IPA at least gives a lot of consumers out there some sort of framework to judge it on. They know it's going to be hop forward. But you bring up a good point is that in 2023, what exactly does IPA mean? Um, honestly, at this point, it's it's pretty much anything that is hop forward in, in an American hop sense, I think, because um, there's, what, 20 different sub-segments of IPA at this point. So, you know, and on, in one sense, it's really easy to say the three letters IPA and an average craft consumer will be like, I will try that. But then if you actually sit down and think about what makes this an IPA, it gets a lot more difficult. So you got Pilsners that are American hop forward. And do we call that a, a cold pale ale? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I guess that that's the next question. What's a cold IPA? I don't know. You tell me what that is. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you're the advanced system. I know, I know. I, I, know. I saw your name kidding. on the website, so I, know, I have to ask you. Yeah, I, um, I know a lot of people kind of joke because some of these styles, like a cold IPA people, you know, there's just a new name for something different. Um, but when you go into the realm of IPAs, and before we get into our final questions, you know, I want to I wanna tug on your, your teaching skills. Um, how do you address someone that says, I don't like IPAs? I come to you. I, I don't, yeah. I, mo most IPAs I don't like. Got to be careful before Dan, you know, you're, you're on, you said it last week. You were drinking yes. an IPA you like. He's it's an IPA, it's fan. Um, yeah, IPA fan. Do you, like what? do you like the hazies? Not really. I, I, I had the, the juicy from Alaskan and then their standard IPA that they also sell in their mix pack. Um, and both actually tasted fairly well, but for me, like, I don't want, I, I understand that for most IPAs, especially here in Michigan, 
when you're dealing with like two hearted or you're dealing with these other IPAs that have a more piney, a more bitter tasting. Whereas I want something a little bit more citrusy, a little bit more fruity. So I understand a little bit more the hops wise, but if I'm say I'm a new server and I say, I don't like IPAs and you want, you don't want them to say that to a customer. You want them to say, I like this IPA because X, how do you address that server? How do you address that person that just says, you know, just tells you, I don't like IPAs. Totally. And I asked you the question because one of the first things I would do is ask why one might not like them. But most of the time it's the bitterness factor. Um, I don't know if that's what it is for you in particular, but from my experience from all my different positions at the brewery, but certainly as an educator now, um, the number one thing that it seems to be that most people don't like about IPAs traditionally is that bitterness factor. And that makes a lot of sense considering what we all went through, you know, the late nineties through the early 2010s when we were all trying to make ridiculous, you know, 170 IBU beers and stuff for certain flashy marketing or just flexing purposes. Right. So But I really think um, the hazy IPA revolution, if you will, of, you know, 2017, 2018, turned a lot of people onto IPA who weren't drinking it before because hazies are low IBU across the board. Um, Not necessarily all the classic examples like Hedy Topper is, is a bitter beer, but a lot of the, ultimately a lot of the New England brewers made the choice to focus on fruit flavor in the hops, which fruit flavor is something we all love as humans for the, for the most part, something we're wired to love because it's a source of sustenance. Um, and then avoid bitterness because that's something we're also wired to not like because uh, it often indicates that something's poisonous. So um, you see that with a lot of contemporary IPAs, like the stuff that we've been coming out with over the past couple of years, even though they're not hazy, like vivacious and we have a new one called Midwest IPA um, that we didn't have quite enough of. I would have loved to send that to you guys because it's got Michigan right in the middle because it's in the Great Lakes, but um, it appeals to everyone throughout the region, of course. Um, And it's, they're both relatively lower in IBUs. So Midwest IPA is 45, vivacious is just 40. So we kind of see that definitive shift that's happened thanks to hazy IPAs. And and there's a reason why IPA growth has kind of continued um, over the past decade or so. I think it's really because brewers made that intentional choice to stop making their beers so bitter um, and focus on those more fruit forward flavors. So that's why I would always recommend to like a server or any of our tour guides who are, you know, we're trying to turn people on to our newer products is focus on the fact that First, ask that question. I think as an educator, one of the most important things is to also ask questions of your students, your audience, and find out the why, right? So, and often enough, it's it's that bitterness factor. So I think that's kind of the key for turning people onto IPA in 2023. 
All right. Well, as we end each and every show, we ask you a final question, something fun, lighthearted, and then give you the opportunity to promote uh, what's upcoming, which I'm assuming is going to be the Christmas 12 packs, including these uh, cookie exchange milk stout. Uh, Starting with Wendy. Wendy, what is your final question? So um, I love to travel to different breweries. So I would like to ask, um, normally I would ask, why should we come to visit your brewery? But um, I came across an article about a secret cellar Christmas bar. Oh, yeah. So I would like to know what is that? Yeah, it's um, it's basically like Christmas thrown up all over our cellar pubs. <laughs> we have this, this bar uh, beneath the main brew pub. And it's it's an adorable, cozy little space. It's great any time of the year. But um, the past couple of years, they they made the intentional choice to just put like twinkle lights in every single little corner that you can think of. Um, and they're serving like special Christmas themed cocktails down there. It's an adorable little space. Um, and it's like it's normally kind of dark and dank, but it becomes so bright down there because there are so many Christmas lights. So. It's a great place to kind of slip away to during the holidays. That starts on, I think that starts this Wednesday. That's amazing. I think I'm going to have to schedule a trip just to check it out. Do it. I'll be there. Ask for me. Dan, what's your (laughs) final question? All right. So last time you were here a couple of years ago, we talked about 73 Kolsch, which for people who don't know is Joe Thomas's beer. Um, I'm a Cleveland fan. You know, our superstar Deshaun Watson just got injured. I know. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you have some ideas. I have some ideas actually. Now that he's got time, maybe you can take this to the owner and see if we can, the owner is, and let me know your thoughts on this as well. Uh, to bring in Deshaun Watson, and get some beers made. Uh, the first one is this is gonna be so stupid. Ken's gonna cancel me right now. But we have the first one is Deshaun Watson's SA Stout. And I'll let you do the math on what SA stands for. And then I'm there's gonna also, do, I'm going to do no math. Ken can do the math. Yeah. <laughs> and then, Super and then, awesome stout. Super awesome. And, and then the second one is the Sean Watson's um, Massage Parlor Pale Ale. What do you think? Can we get these? Dude, we can't. We can't. Stuff? We got an agreement with Joe. We can't like break that agreement, dude. <laughs> you don't do have anything. to. You don't have to break the agreement with Joe. I mean, this is dude, just it's another... like he just got that gold jacket. We can't. We, we cannot. We can't so, consider anything. Are you saying those are no's? Those are no's, yeah. Oh, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. We got the gold jacket guy, man. Come on. Uh, I mean... We're going to be... It's... By the way, the Browns are going to be... I hope Deshaun heals up, but we're still winning the division and going to the playoffs. It's it's going to be the Lions and the Browns in the Super Bowl. Lions, Browns, Super Bowl. Yep. yep. And the world will end. Yep. <laughs> I thought that was going to be 2016 with the Cubs and Indians, but yeah, it'll be this year. <laughs> Uh, I mean, as, as I, my question was about football. I don't know how Dan pulled this one off, but, um, <laughs> so really I, about football? It, it actually was about football because I want to know, uh, something, if you know, uh, you know, we all know where we were on big events when something's happened within the country, you know, when Matt Stafford won the Super Bowl. But my question to you is, is that on December 14th, 2014, It was Johnny Manziel's very first start in the NFL for Cleveland. I was in Cleveland for that event. I saw so many hearts break live as they lost 30 to nothing. Do you remember where you were on Johnny Manziel's first NFL start? I do not remember. Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> Hopefully that's okay. But I we, remember we, where I was. We tried to I actually I wish I had go, a more dramatic or witty response to that one. <laughs> we, we actually tried to go to Great Lakes Brewing, but it was a Sunday and you guys were closed at that time. Yeah, we used to be closed. Yeah. Uh, we're open so on we were, Sundays now. We were at Market Garden Brewing. Um, and I saw the hearts of so many Cleveland, Clevelandiers, Clevelandies, however you say Cleveland people, yeah, um, I don't know, Clevelanders, yeah. Like uh, just, yeah. just, uh, well, it is Michigander, <laughs> it so is you Michigander. were correct. It is Michigander. Okay, Michigan I got it. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah. I, I saw just a collective heartbreak quarter after quarter watching that game. So as, just like any other game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As, as <laughs> and, Andy Dalton uh, ran through a 30 to nothing win over yeah. uh, uh, the Browns, but Great Lakes Brewing, you guys have a 12 pack coming out or it's already out. They can uh, get it. What else is going on uh, for the rest of the year, beginning of next year? Yeah. So we get the the pack you're talking about. It's a fun holiday pack. It's got six of Christmas sale and six of cookie exchange. So um, the other two beers that are floating out there for kind of the holidays are cookie exchange milk stout, um, five, five ABV. It's a pastry stout, but it's not a bruiser. Like a lot of the other versions you see out there, which I love a big old pastry stout, but Christmas sale destroys people enough. We didn't need another high ABV beer. So um, it's got speculus in it, which Everybody knows exactly what that is, right? Just kidding. Uh, it's the little Biscoff <laughs> cookie that you get on airplanes. It's a it's a Belgian spice blend that's generally like caramel vanilla shortbread. So that's everywhere. People can find it. Um, it's going to have a rotating cookie flavor every year too. So stay tuned. 2024 will be something else, another Christmas cookie. Um, and the Cran Orange Wheat is out there as well, also 5.5. Five. Um, that one, you know, we kind of leaned into the holidays a little bit, but it will run throughout winter into spring and then we'll have another flavored wheat coming out later on. So ton of cranberry in that one. Um, it's not a sour, but if we got people out there who love tart flavors, there's certainly a lot of tartness going on in cran orange wheat because it's got a lot of that cranberry flavor going on. Otherwise, um, Perfect amount of tart. Awesome. Yeah, not sour, right? But it's, and yeah. again, we're not kind of branding it as a, a sour in any nope. way. It's just, it's cranberry. So it tastes like gran, actual cranberry. Um, otherwise, you know, we're honing the IPA chops. Um, kind of mentioned Vibatious already. Um, Midwest IPA will be coming. Um, it's, it's the go-to IPA. We haven't, like, we have so many classic styles. We never really, truly nailed a classic american ipa that's a go-to everyday type thing so you guys will see that coming out i'll just say this here this juicy double ipa is totally not related to anything we're doing in the future so it just happens to be something we put up throughout the gift shop wink wink so stay tuned for some juicy stuff coming down the line and the last thing I think beer wise that something I'm really pumped about is we are kind of dusting off the barrel age beer program and we're brewing a lot of beers. They're going to be brewed. They're brewed intentionally for barrel aging. So we barrel aged Christmas ale before um, blackout stout. We put into bourbon barrels, but those are beers that existed on their own. We happen to barrel age. Now we're starting to develop, beers specifically for the barrel. So big, beefy, a lot of residual body to stand up to that um, aging process. So got a quad. Um, there's some other fun stuff that's coming down the line as well. We're having a lot of fun here at Great Lakes. 
Awesome. Well, uh, that's going to do it for episode 332 of the Better on Draft podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. And no matter what you think of your beer, we think it's Better on Draft. Have a good night. Cheers. Cheers, Al.